Welcome to Custom Made in New York podcast, reminding women of their worth one week at a time. This show is dedicated to all women, custom made especially to win. I'm your host, Raven Joseph. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Custom Made in New York podcast on IG Live. This week, for episode 17, we are featuring LaShawn Butler Francis. She is a social worker and author. And we're going to discuss today things to help us move through this time, this trying time. So how we can transition from work life to home life and process grief and also to support our children while doing so. LaShawn, share with us your experience. How did you get to becoming a social worker? So I like to tell people that um, social work chose me. My I was originally a speech and language pathologist major, and things just didn't work out. And I shifted over to psychology, which led me to social work. So it chose me. You're in a school setting now. Where were you prior to that? Tell us about your experience. So I was actually doing the math earlier today. So I've been working for 25 years, but 13 years of my life, I've been in a school. And a few years I spent working in child welfare and foster care agency. And so the real backstory behind it is that um, my mom also worked in this field and she spent a lot of time out in the community working and advocating and helping other people. And so I said that I wasn't going to be a social worker because I wanted to be home with my children. And I knew that working in a school, you get 10 weeks vacation. And, and <laughs> so that's where I felt my balance at. I found a way to work in the field that I love, which is helping people. And also in a school where I would have time to be able to spend time with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. So LaShawn is also an author. Tell us about the book that you wrote, LaShawn. So I have a book um, titled Holding On. And... Mm-hmm. I Hold It On has been selling for the past three years. The book is, for me, it's about a custody battle experience that I went through um, for four years. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted a space where I could tell my story and share that um, in life we're going to go through things. And it's all about being resilient, being strong where you can, and overcoming the battles that you face. So for me, it's about a custody battle, but I have had readers who experience um, grief and loss, which is a huge topic now. Um, mm-hmm. There was a point in time where I was grieving the loss of my child who was still alive, mm-hmm. but essentially taken from me. I've had um, breast cancer survivors saying that the book was very helpful for them. So again, it's about my story of a custody battle, but back, getting through any battle that you are facing. Yes. And it was amazing. I read it during independent reading time with my students and you do, as you mentioned, talk about grief. Can you define grief? What does that actually mean? So it's definitely a a trending topic with um, this global crisis that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. right now. Everybody's speaking of grief. And even now my role, um, I lead a social work department in a high school. And so I think the word in itself is really just about loss, right? The loss of something or someone and students are afraid to use it because for so long, um, these feelings have been associated with other diagnoses, right? I'm not depressed. I'm not. And so recently I've been telling people, find another word if you have to. If grief is too heavy for you, find another word. But in this season, we have to normalize that it's okay to be sad. 
that it's okay to feel down, even if you didn't lose anybody to the coronavirus personally. Mm -hmm. We have lost um, our freedom. We have lost, you may know someone who has lost someone. We have lost our schedules and our routines and spending mm -hmm. time with our coworkers and just hugging our friends when we see, us, when we see them. So everybody essentially living in, in this world right now has been exposed to some grief. Mm -hmm. And in the past, myself, um, as a clinician that come from a strengths perspective, I spend a lot of time telling people to like um, be resilient. And sometimes it's okay to take a moment and say that like, I'm sad right now. So a lot of the conversations that I've been having with students and parents and family members, like we're human and it's perfectly okay just to be sad if that's how you're feeling today. It's not always about getting better and getting to the next level. Sometimes it's just about being sad if that's how you're feeling in the moment. What has changed for you? What are the things that are different for you and your family during this time? Um, so the first four, so again, I work in a high school, so we all got the call around the same time when the city was about to shut down. And if I had to be honest, I'm like, oh, I could use a couple of weeks. I, I was thinking that it was going to be mm -hmm. a week or two and we would be home and we would figure this out and the vaccination would yeah. come out and things will move on. And then they were like, kids go back to school after spring break. And even then, I was like, okay, we can manage four weeks if we have to. But the first four weeks, I definitely like stayed in the bed. My brother was like, you're Mrs. Corona. I was on everybody's website, reading everything, just thinking that any second the world was going to come to an end. And then um, when the conversation started to come about, like, oh, we're going to be closed for the rest of the school year, I knew that a shift had to happen, right? Like, I can't sit in the bed for the next six or seven yeah. months being sad about what's happening. And so I started to, like, think about what are some things that I would love to do during this time? What are some things that I've been dying to do and I haven't had the chance to because I haven't had a moment to, like, be still? And so now I'm forced. We are forced to be still. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, supporting people. Like, I mean, it could be minor I'm not going to talk about my kitchen cabinet, but it needed to be clean for a very long time. <laughs> so, cleaning your cabinet, sorting papers. I, I finished um, graduate school in 2013. Just last week, I'm just getting rid of papers that I was like holding on to that I'm never going to use again. Not all of them. I kept a few. Mm -hmm. So I just wrote a list of like, what are some things that I'm going to do within the next six months? And I also don't have this pressure of like, I need to do it today or I need to do it next week because six months is a lot of time. And so while I know some people are unfortunate and, um, you know, they lost their jobs or like people who live alone or can't visit their loved ones. Like I went to see my grandmother today. I like sent the things upstairs and mm -hmm. I should be able to go upstairs and visit my grandmother, but she also has like every pre-existing condition you could think of. Mm -hmm. And so like, we can't risk that. So there's definitely like some grief and loss happening in this world right now we just have to figure out how to like embrace the moment and be sad and know that it's okay to be sad and then start to figure out what's next for us so the last two weeks of my life have been figuring out what's next for me LaShawn is also a mom so happy early mother's day LaShawn uh your son is graduating this year so how are you able to help him with that transition the transition during this time um, so I, I had a conversation earlier today with a friend and she's like, you know, you don't understand where I'm coming from because your kids are big. And there's some truth to that. Like mm -hmm. my kids, uh, my daughter 
is turned 24. She's already out on her own, working and independent. And my son is here. And this has been a rough transition because it's just his senior year of high school. So he was super excited about prom and graduation. Um, he was accepted to Morgan and he was supposed to be a part of like a six week enrichment program. And that already has been like moved to virtual and you know, there's that hope that he's going to start school in August, but we opened the doors for some CUNY colleges just in case if things are not cleared up by September. Um, but for my parents, so for me, it's just like dealing with it and just being grateful and thankful that like we have life every day and that the people in our lives and our immediate families are still here. So, you know, every day I have to constantly like even be reminding myself of that so that these losses that we are taking here and there doesn't feel as bad um but for my parents who have younger kids there's been a lot of conversations around like my younger kids and what do i do and so what i have been what i have been telling people is um start to think about the things that corona didn't take away from you right like there are some things that we still can get up and do and i think that that helps us um get through the day so if you have a younger student at home or a sibling or younger kid at home Get them up the way you did, right? Brush your teeth in the morning the way you did. Get dressed, do their hair, even if it's not a uniform. There's something about our morning routine that helps get us through the day. So a few of my parents, I've been walking them through that, and they've been, like, circling back. Well, like, my friends with younger kids, because I work in a high school, but I also have parents who... I also have students who have younger siblings, and it's been very helpful for them to, like, start to live as much of your daily life that you can that's not taken away so um some people like to listen to music you drive like i know sometimes we have to listen to music on our commute so get up in the morning play your song have your breakfast mm -hmm. do a couple of sessions or listen to my podcast <laughs> or listen to raven's podcast so <laughs> do whatever you need to do to get in a group so that's like number one on my list of like working from home and supporting our students that are that are working remotely try to build in your morning routine mm -hmm. and so um i'm gonna share by the end of the week i'm gonna share like tips that i had gotten from another young lady and then i like remixed it a little for people with younger kids because she was actually she gave like five tips for um working from home and so mm -hmm. i wanted to kind of like shift that in the way that we're specifically helping people who are working from home and in addition to that have younger kids who are doing virtual schooling from home because that's where the would you mind sharing one of those suggestions with us so so it was work from home um building your morning routine put me on the spot raven i will um to be like flexible and know that like this is a shift in the change so mm -hmm. um as managers, there's a lot of like three o'clock deadline, four o'clock deadline for, especially mm -hmm. for my people that's working administration, know that the same people who you are requesting deadlines from have um, younger kids at home. And so there needs to be some kind of flexibility for working mm -hmm. from home, knowing that working from home is very different if you have your kids in school versus yeah. if you have three kids between the ages of three and 16 at home it looks different so i can't remember all of them off the top of my head but i'll be sure to share with you and share it on my page so we'll give reason to come we'll give people a reason to come back okay. Right? so many of my families have explained to me why their students are absent from my class they can't get out of bed and you said something important about routines um be being put in place 
but we're in a time where things are changing so drastically. And although some students may not have been impacted by loss of death, they're still grieving in some way, right? They're seeing what's going on outside in the community, in society, and it's impacting them. So what advice could you give to families and parents on how to react or how to approach students who are grieving right now? Um, so one of the things that I share with my principal and a couple of other administrators that work in education recently was that this is coming from an educator, but I'm being brutally honest here. For yeah. some families, the reality of it is that education is not a priority right now, mm-hmm. right? Staying alive, staying well, being healthy. On the flip side of it, figuring out how I'm going to pay my bills. That's number one on people list. Mm-hmm. However, we still have regulations that we need to follow to get kids promoted and moved on to the next grade. So what I have been telling my families is to communicate with teachers as much as you can. Um, definitely have conversations with your children around what's happening. Do whatever you can to like take fear away from them, right? Because if you're if you're constantly watching the news and panicking, then your kids are gonna be panicking, right? Mm-hmm. So like Mondays, I don't watch any news at all because I feel like it's everything that's happening from the weekend. Guarantee that the numbers are going to be up. But those are like signs that I have to say, like, why am I always down on Monday? So checking with yourself, right? Because you mm-hmm. can't be there for your children until you can be there for yourself and make sure that you are giving them the support that like you're there and you try not to worry so that your kids are not worrying. Um, and then in terms of school, the conversation is that we need to figure out how to prioritize what's important. So I have a student right now who just got access to technology. So right now he has 120 assignments that he needs to make up that are missing. It's not going to happen. So the, the move there was to reach out to your teachers and like, what do I need to do to bring my grade up to a passing grade? Like, let's figure out how we're going to get these 65s first so that we are at least at a passing and then we can come back and do a little more for each class. And it's the same thing for younger kids. I went to visit um, my aunt a couple of weeks ago. And then like, I think her kids, her daughter, her granddaughter, like second, third grade, it was like a stack of, like the teacher just said, do this. And I'm like, no, you have to break this up whether yeah. it's by the day or by the day because the kids are looking at it like, I don't even know where to begin. And we had it's that today yeah. at work. Kids don't even know where to start. so. As a teacher, the best thing for you to do is support the kids individually or like during office hours in a group setting and prioritize. If you have six assignments, do assignment two, four, and five. Let's work on getting that by Friday and just know that there has to be some flexibility right now because nobody's living it, living it to their full potential right now. Mm-hmm. Not even our kids, not even us as adults and educators and clinicians and artists and teachers. Like we're all like, working hard and not working hard if that makes sense yeah that makes absolute sense what are some things that you're doing within your day to make sure that you're straight so my morning starts at 8 15 every day mm-hmm. and so we have an 8 15 huddle the school come together that first meeting is usually done in a bed no i like you can't see me no video and then I start to work my day from there. So I get up, 
I try to have my tea. I look through my calendar and, and prioritize, right? I have a list of like, I need to do these things today. And then I have another list of, if I get through this, then I can work on these. And since we've been on quarantine, I have never checked off my entire list for the day. And I'm okay with that. But the work is going to get done. So the same message that I give for kids is the same message that I give to adults. Lay it all out. Do the best you can. Because that's mm -hmm. all we can do right now. So true. During my advisory, I have my students working on organizing their lives, whether it's like creating a list and making sure that they're contacting their teachers and paying attention to what assignments um, they should be focused on during the time just so that they don't feel overwhelmed. As teachers, it's so important for us to share with students the percentage even of an assignment. For example, our marking period just ended last week and I, from the beginning of, beginning of the week, I shared with students which assignments were graded and the percentage so they knew what to focus on. And I, the higher percentages meant like it was higher with the skill set. So they have to show that they're mastering a skill. So I made sure that they focused on that and it wasn't just busy work. Most of our families don't have background experience with science or medicine or health, right? And they're seeing that what's happening is really affecting their, their child. When, when is it the time for parents to actually reach outside and find support to support their child during this time? Um, so as clinicians, we use like a time period. So I shared earlier that like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be sad for a day or two. Mm -hmm. I was sad in this situation, not necessarily sad the entire four weeks, but I was definitely in bed the, four, the first four weeks that um, we were home. I think after four to six weeks, there's conversations happening, there's no change, and the sadness, um, then it's time to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Where do families even start? Where, do, where can they begin when they need to find outside support for their child? So in most cases, you do a referral to the primary care physician, and then mm -hmm. every doctor's office is partnered with um, practices, private practices or practices in the community. So it's usually based on the insurance. Um, my go-to is always psychology today, but mm -hmm. I know for our kids that are like in the communities, especially children and families who have like Medicaid, there are some big ones, JCCA, Aster is another one. You can always go to your primary care physician, Lincoln Hospital, Montefiore Hospital, mm -hmm. and for referral if you don't have a primary care physician. I noticed that you're writing a new book. Do you care to share? What is the topic going to be about? I'm writing a book about grief and loss, and mm -hmm. I definitely want to target it to youth and adolescents, but mm -hmm. I have opened up um, the direction that I'm going in because I feel like, so I tell people all the time, right, after trauma, which is what's happening now, kids are being exposed to trauma, um, comes post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And so while I feel like we're getting tons of support around mental health now, their referrals and people have opened up their doors to help um, children and families in need, I worry about when we go back to school, when mm -hmm. September happens and mental health is not like on the forefront for everybody. So the book is definitely going to be to help kids that have experienced grief and loss 
um, during this time. I think somebody asked a question. Yes. What advice do you have for the essential working moms who don't have time to process this? Um, I believe that there has been some flexibility around our essential workers. From my understanding, people are not going to work every single day. So if you are an essential worker and a mother and you're having a hard time, I think that the first thing you should do is go to your supervisor and say, I need to balance out my schedule. Mm -hmm. Whether it's um, work less days or shift your hours, it is important that we are spending time with our families right now. What are three things that we should keep at the forefront while we're transitioning during this time? Three things that I want to keep I want people to keep in mind. Number one, that um, this pandemic has showed us how important health is, mm -hmm. right? Because that's all we've been hearing. If you have a pre-existing condition, you're not going to survive this. And I, I've know I've know people who have conditions who have survived it. So mm -hmm. we're not going to kill people off. But and if this situation ever came up again, right? You want to make sure that you and are in your best shape or in your best condition so that you can overcome or get through um, something like the coronavirus. And thank you so much for sharing those workout videos because I do need to get off my behind. I'll eat better. I mean, I've also been having my share of chocolate, which is why I'm breaking out. But it's okay mm -hmm. because I was sad and I was overindulgent and it's okay. Um, another thing, I keep seeing this um, thing on social media about like, oh, if you don't come out of this pandemic with a new skill or a new book or a new business, like, don't let people put that pressure on you. If you come out of this pandemic alive, you have mm -hmm. done your work, right? Yeah. There are people who are outside, not wearing masks, not following the rules. I went to um, CBS on Saturday and like somebody was barbecuing. I was just like, you know. So don't let people, society, social media, put this um, um, expectation that everybody should be home. Like, if you can, if you have the time and the space to gain a new skill, I've seen people, like, start doing artwork and yeah. or writing books that they do. I, I have a friend that writes books that's like, I never want to publish these. I'm writing books for myself and for my mm -hmm. kids to have that I'm going to pass down eventually. So, like, yes, do those things to keep your mind off of corona and what's happening outside the world. But don't feel like when life, when the world, when school opened back up in September, you have to come out this brand new person. Like, no, the goal is to come out alive, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you so happen to be an author and find some time to write a book or artist and you find some time to paint or a musician and you get music out, great. But don't let society put that pressure on you that like you have to come out of this no, you just have to come out of this. And that's the only expectation and the hope that you can put on yourself right now. Mm -hmm. And number three, health, no pressure. <laughs> um, I shared this with somebody earlier today is that let's keep some of this same energy around like being kind. I feel like today I went to the supermarket and this lady bumped into me and like she went out her way to like, I'm sorry, I like, are you okay? And and it's, it was just a reminder for me that, like, everybody's like, super sensitive. But in this moment, we do find that people are being extra kind. Mm -hmm. And let's be a little nicer to each other, even when a crisis is not happening. So yeah. today is Giving Tuesday. Today is Giving Tuesday. Um, NYU reminds you of that every Tuesday.
Mm-hmm. So this is special. So I did donate fifty dollars to the social work and research department, and I feel good about that. That's great. There's also Cinco de Mayo, and I'm gonna celebrate that when we're done. <laughs> I should make some tacos. All right. Yes, and for Raven friends who are following me. My first book, Holding On, is still available for purchase. You can click the link in my bio. I have a new book coming out this September, and I'm excited about that. And if you know someone who is... So I can't see my friends and families, but I have opened up my doors to see clients individually. So if you know someone who is in need of support, please reach out to me. And it was great seeing you all. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in this week to Custom Made in New York podcast. Uh, if you want to reach out to Miss LaShawn Butler Francis, her Instagram is at Miss NYU, M S N Y U. And we are going to post this on Wednesday. And you can expect an episode from Custom Made in New York podcast each week, each and every Wednesday. See you next week.